And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscalia. As always, this is our weekly pregame live episode of the Buffalo Beat. And it's a pretty big one because the Bills will be up against the Miami Dolphins in a game that will not only determine who wins the AFC East, but also who will be the number two seed in the AFC playoffs and quite possibly could determine whether or not the Bills will be in the playoffs at all. So the stakes, by the time we get to Sunday quite possibly, could not be any higher. Now, there are specific scenarios that you have to consider as as before we get to Sunday as to whether or not the game will take on a different lens. So basically, there are four ways for the Bills to get into the playoffs this season. Either, and going chronologically, either the Steelers need to lose to the Ravens' backups, and don't count out Snoop Huntley, He's been known to have a game every once in a while. Um, So that is one of the options. The Colts and Texans would need to tie. Can't rule that out either because the AFC South is just a little bit bit wacky this year. And most years, actually. But um, that's another option. Or the Jaguars lose to the Titans on Sunday at 1 o'clock. That of all the options outside of the obvious i think is probably the most realistic of the three things that the bills would like to go their way that could happen only because the titans are at home trevor lawrence is a little banged up for the jaguars it is the last game that derrick henry is under contract for the titans unless they resign him in the offseason. So it could be his last game for the Titans and in that home stadium where he has spent his entire NFL career. So that there's some... Uh, and Mike Rabel was very clear that he was going all out to win that game. So there's a little bit to that Titans-Jaguars game. So uh, even if the Steelers don't lose or the, the Texans and Colts don't tie... Don't count out those Titans on on Sunday, but uh, those are the three things that could go the Bills' way, and if they do not, then it is absolutely a win or you're home for the rest of the playoffs situation for the Bills. So the stakes, I mentioned it on the last episode, really could not be any higher (laughs) for the Bills, potentially, in, uh, in this game. And they're going to be going going up against a Dolphins team that has quite a bit of injury stuff to think about. 
and how that impacts the matchup. I'm sure we'll get to plenty of those questions as as we kind of move it along here. So this is the live room episode. If you have never part, uh, if you've never participated in this live room episode of the podcast, and you're listening live on the Athletic app right now, all you need to do is type in your question. I'll get to as many as I can before uh, before I need to hit the road to get over to Sean McDermott's press conference, and we will uh, we will talk about this matchup and anything Bills related uh, you might be wanting to know about and get some insight with from what we've heard over at uh, over at One Bills Drive this week, what I've seen on film, everything like that. So uh, so anything you got for me, I'm ready for it. Uh, Bill writes in, have the Bills shown true grit, winning five of six and the chance to grab the two seed after blowing a few games? I think they have. And, you know, I think the grit probably started once they were able to go away for a week uh, with the bye week. I think having that time away after being very close to beating what was at that point in the season, the best team in the league in the Philadelphia Eagles. I think really resonated with a lot of the guys to think that they could still accomplish all the goals that they had. And now being able to come back and after the bye week, win four in a row and go on this run, even though the Chargers and Patriots game didn't go as according to plan as like a blowout win or anything like that. I think there is a lot of self-belief within the locker room, and I guess that would be the the definition of true grit at that point. Because at six and six, after losing to the Eagles and then going the bye week, there could have very easily been like a shutoff period there. Getting away from football, feeling like what the offseason could be like for just a brief moment in time. But they came back with definitely a uh, an edge to them. It was lighter in the locker room, which I mentioned back when they returned on this podcast. So, yeah, I, I would I would qualify that as true grit, Bill. I think I think they uh, you've done that. All right, next question. Lee writes in. It seems the Bills' offensive line has struggled in the past two weeks, notably against the Patriots. What did you see the Chargers and Patriots doing to confuse the protection? And do you see an opportunity for the Dolphins to replicate that? I think some of that has to do with the personnel that they were up against, uh, for sure. I still believe that the Bills have one of the um, one of the better pass-blocking offensive line units in the entire NFL, despite their troubles over the last couple of weeks. And I will agree with you, Lee. Specifically against the Patriots, I think the offensive line really struggled in that first half. They steadied themselves in the second half, but early on, it was, it was uh, some tough sledding for them. And the one player that, to me, really looked like he was struggling with it was the rookie right guard, Osiris Torrance. Now, this is a little layer layer just because Osiris Torrance has been excellent the entire season and by and large has had one of the best guard seasons that the Bills have seen since Sean McDermott has taken over. That's just from what I've seen on film this entire season. He's been really good for a lot of a lot of the stretch. But these last two games specifically, I don't know if these teams were targeting him or maybe it's just the case of hitting the rookie wall a little bit here. 
But Torrance has had two of his worst games uh, of his season the last two weeks. Uh, the Chargers game was not as bad. The Patriots game was by far his worst of the year, in my mind. And he was struggling to read the stunts and twists that the Patriots were throwing at him. The one-on-one stuff, it wasn't what it normally is with him. I think the Patriots defense just came into that game a little bit underrated. And I think the Bills probably knew that they had a challenge in front of them. So that led to some of the some of the negative play that we saw. Like Dawkins was still good, wasn't great in the game. I actually thought their best lineman the entire game was Spencer Brown. Um, I thought he was, from a pass blocking perspective, really on it and still a good run blocker. Thought Moore struggled a little bit in pass blocking. Same thing with McGovern, more than we usually see with him. He's usually good pass blocking, and then the run blocking leaves a bit to be desired. That's usually the the book on McGovern. But Torrance was the one where I'm like, wow, that uh, that was abnormal from from what we've seen from him so far this season. So that's a, uh, and he got better in the second half. The, the first half was really the weak point for him. And I think it certainly helped when they started to see what the Patriots were trying to do to them. A lot of confusion at the line of scrimmage, sending players at Josh Allen that they didn't think was coming at Josh Allen. Um, some delayed blitzes, some some stunts and twists where, you know, the the interior guy really took out two guys uh, on the way to allowing the looping to defender to get through. Um, maybe some miscommunication up front. It all played a part. And I think the Patriots did a really nice job early on in, in, in doing those things. So will I, so for this matchup specifically, the Dolphins have two very good defensive linemen in uh, Christian Wilkins and, and Zach Seiler. Those two guys, Wilkins gets all of the publicity. Siler is incredibly talented and shows up on film every time you watch him. Um, just, just a very good player. But Wilkins, to me, might be the one that they try to utilize against Torrance because I think that could be a matchup disparity there based on how Torrance has been playing the last couple of weeks, at, at times in those last couple of weeks. So yeah, there there is a, a little bit of concern there. And I think for the Dolphins, they have not blitzed a ton this season. I was just looking up these uh, these stats on the year. You know, in past years, we have seen them blitz a lot more than you would think. But this season, the Dolphins have actually blitzed at a lower rate than the Bills have this year. So they have been trusting their four guys, whichever four that they send, to bring down the quarterback uh, a lot more than uh, a lot more often than you would expect. The Dolphins have blitzed at the fifth lowest rate of the year at 11.4%. The Bills uh, rank 25th in the league in that department at 12.7%. But I do wonder if that changes a little bit this week because the injuries, you have to think about it. I mean, they are down both Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips, for the rest of the year. Both those guys are done. So now, they, now they've got Van Ginkle, who's solid, and then Melvin Ingram, 
whose best years are probably behind him. And he still seems like he's a little bit of the ramping up phase. They've got some other pass rushers that that they uh, that they have substituted in, but no one of real substance. Like guys like uh, Cameron Good. Um, yeah, Emmanuel Ogba could could mix in there maybe when they go for more specific, bigger defensive line looks, but. It's mostly going to be Ingram and Van Ginkle, and I think that's an opportunity if they only sent four for the Bills to really kind of steady the ship with their offensive line. But I would anticipate a little bit more blitzing than than we've seen from the Dolphins this year because of it, and to try and confuse the offensive line, try and um, mimic what the Patriots did early on, and I think the Bills will be prepared to deal with what the Patriots did early on in that game. Uh, Brad writes in, do you think McDermott will be more aggressive on fourth down if it's a must-win games? He seemed to play conservative recently. I think for the most part, he's been pretty on it from an, and going for it when you need to on fourth down situation. Um, I think he respects game flow. And also, I think there's a part of this where he knows who he's up against. So if it's the Patriots, for example, and you think you've got a pretty good handle on what they're trying to do offensively, as they did last week, then perhaps he's less inclined to push the envelope, I guess you could say finger quotes, um, because you feel pretty good about the defense being able to get the ball back to the offense. Now that is flawed at times because analytics in, in general is like, okay, well just take advantage of the percentages that, that you have and then deal with it later. And the, the counter argument to that is, okay, well, if you trust your defense to get your offense, the ball back, then you probably trust them to do the same. Just a lot of yards closer to them getting points. So I get it both ways. I'm usually on veer on the side of going for it when it's a 50-50 call. So I get what you're saying. But in a game like this where they're up against an explosive offense, potentially, I think McDermott learned that lesson the hard way against the Chiefs in the playoffs back in 2020. Because when he was going for field goals at the end of the first half in that game, and then the Chiefs kind of ran him out of the out of the stadium later on in that game. I think that was a a pretty big moment for McDermott to realize, okay, well, it's you just gotta you just gotta go for it against teams like this. And Dolphin and the Dolphins are one of those teams. Even if they don't have Jalen Waddell, even if they don't have Raheem Mostert, um, if they are clicking as well as they have throughout much of this season, then you're gonna need to post up points. So I would anticipate that that's, that would be the play for McDermott both in, in this week and in the playoffs if, if they get there. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Next question, Andrew writes, what's wrong with the passing offense? I think um, some of that has to do with Josh Allen's footwork, which I talked about after the Chargers game. It did not get, like, it wasn't as big of an issue against the Patriots, but there were still times where it kind of fell off a throw every once and again. I will give the Patriots credit in the first half because they were playing the Bills offense really well. And that Patriots defense, based on the way that they had been playing, pretty good one. In the second half, the Bills realized that their passing offense um, didn't have its fastball slash they knew that the Patriots were defending them to be a pass-first team. So they kind of flipped the script and wound up running the ball 20 times to only passing the ball 10 times in the second half. And I actually thought the the passing offense was was doing pretty well in that second half. Outside of a that one play, I think it was to James Cook, that went for negative four yards. Josh Allen was pretty on it. You know, moving defenders with his eyes, clearing things out, uh, guys settling in to to the weak spots in the Patriots zone. Like there was a really nice throw to Khalil Shakir over the middle of the field. Dalton Kincaid wriggled loose for for a for a, a good first down in that second half. And if it wasn't for Allen's overthrow on Stefan Diggs, I mean, they would have been nine of ten for over two hundred yards at the passing offense in the second half. But that's that's on Allen to execute. Diggs won on his route. The Patriots had a bust in cut in in what they called. They had no safety help over the top. Diggs just ran a ran a deep post. Should have been a touchdown. Should have been an 88 yard touchdown. That's on Josh Allen, and he knew it immediately. But even still, he threw for uh, he completed 80 percent of his passes for over 100 yards in the second half. So I don't think it's like. I think it's there, and I think this defensive matchup is probably not as much of a challenge as what they went up against last week, especially with all the different injuries that that the Dolphins have going on. So I, I'm expecting a bit of a positive regression here for the Bills' passing offense in terms of being able to put up points, uh, yards more consistently. I think there is a major opportunity for them to to jumpstart what uh, what has ailed them, and certainly going up against a tough Patriots defense was was part of that. So um, I'm expecting a big response this week. Maybe not like a 450 yard response, but I think getting closer to what 
everyone expects of this passing offense, I think, is definitely uh, a potential because you look at some of the players that the Dolphins will have lining up for them. Xavier Howard has yet to practice this week. There hasn't been any real indication. I guess we'll see later on today whether or not, and I'm recording this on Friday for those who are listening after the live show. We'll see if Xavier Howard will be able to practice on Friday to at least give him a questionable tag, but he has not yet to this point. Like I mentioned, the two main pass rushers are out, Chubb and, and Phillips. That means, and and it could, uh, and Jerome Baker, who's one of their top linebackers, he is still trying to work himself back. He's been limited in, in practice, and you know there's an expectation that that uh, he may not be able to go this week just yet either, as maybe he's targeting the playoffs above all else. So that means it's Jalen Ramsey as their top cornerback, and Eli Apple probably who had a horrible game as soon as he got into the lineup for Howard. And that was early on. And the Ravens took advantage. Like the Zay Flowers, 75-yard touchdown. I don't know how many of you saw that game. I'm sure some of you saw the highlights. But on the All-22, that's on Eli Apple. He needs to know where he is in space. And and he just completely gave up the sideline to Zay Flowers and um, in zone coverage. And so that's that's something that, they need more from him, but it's uh, it's not a conducive situation. And then on top of that, Cater Kohu, who uh, uh, covered Stefan Diggs for, you know, not a lot of the game, but some of the game in the week four matchup, and Diggs went off against him. So both of those guys have struggled. They struggled last week. And without that front four getting pressure on Josh Allen and without, uh, you know, with two of their three cornerbacks who are probably going to be playing a lot of snaps for them this coming weekend. It's either going to be, they need those, those cornerbacks to bail them out, the front four to bail them out, or they send more pressure at Josh Allen and it leaves more players running open. Um, in the intermediate area for Josh Allen to exploit. So that's why, to me, I'm thinking that they probably get get things going this week uh, because something has to give here with the Dolphins' defense. It's either, like I said, bring more or hope for the best with backups. And both of those situations, I think, are favorable for the Bills. All right, Chris writes in, how does the Bills' defensive line fare against the Dolphins' offensive line this week? I think their best opportunity for success will be up the middle. Um, The Dolphins, based on what they started the year with, are potentially down their top three interior offensive linemen. We'll have to see about Robert Hunt, who is their usual starting right guard. He has practiced on a limited basis. Over the last two days, he's been dealing with a hamstring injury, has not played, I think, in quite a few weeks now. Um, but I think I think it was early December was the last time he played, if, if I remember correctly. So that is something to potentially exploit, even if he's in the lineup. If he's not, then that means it is Robert Jones, who has struggled. 
Their starting center is Liam Eichenberg. And he is playing because, because Connor Williams, their opening day starting center, is not in the lineup. He is on injured reserve. And Eichenberg has also been limited in his first two practices with calf slash ankle injuries. And then at left guard, it's Lester Cotton, who has also been limited in his first two uh, practices of the week with a hip injury. And Lester Cotton is a replacement level starting offensive guard. So the Bills got healthy at defensive tackle just at the right time. And by healthy, I mean Daquan Jones. That is, those three against Ed Oliver and Daquan Jones is a mismatch to me. And even when Puna Ford gets in there, who again had another good game against the Patriots, his now second in a row, they got to keep playing him. I think there are some definite opportunities for the Bills to affect Tua Tunga Bailoa, and it is going to be so important for them to do so in this matchup. Because if you get Tua Tunga Bailoa off his spot and off that quick read and make him start to freelance a little bit, that's when the opportunity exists to make some plays, bring him down, um, get in his head a little bit throughout the, the rest of the game. You want him trying to improvise. Because when he is in that robotic state and getting the ball out quick because you're not getting pressure on, that's when you can get yourself into some trouble, especially with the speed that the Dolphins have on offense. And it's not going to be infallible. Like, they're not going to get pressure on, on Tua Tungavailoa all the time. So they are going to get their yards. They're probably going to get some points, even if they don't have Jalen Waddle in this game, even if they don't have Raheem Mostert in this game. Having Tyreek Hill and Devon Achan, two very good offensive players. And when you're lulled to sleep by those two guys, you got like their tight end, Smythe, will just pop you for a 15-yard game over the middle. So it is so important for Ed Oliver and Daquan Jones and Puna Ford and Tim Settle to be factors in this game when they are in the game because that matchup is probably the best one that the Bills have going from, for them from a defense versus offense perspective and the one that could impact the game more than any. So keep an eye on the middle of the, uh, of the offensive and defensive line when Miami's on the field because that could be what determines perhaps the level of difficulty for the Bills in this game and if it's going to be a uh, if it's going to be somewhat of a comfortable victory for the Bills or if we're going to have a fight on our hands between the Dolphins and the Bills that's that's the game within the game for me all right next question Uh, Andrew writes in, who are the top candidates to be our new offensive coordinator next year? Um, I think I would be surprised at this point if it was not Joe Brady permanently. The locker room absolutely loves Joe Brady. And I do not say that lightly. They love his communication style. 
They love how he has come in and and how he knows the personnel, how he knows all of them. Sean McDermott specifically probably doesn't want to go outside of the building, especially with the Bills being on on a bit of a run here. I would I would guess that Joe Brady is their guy moving forward. And I mentioned it maybe a couple of weeks ago now, the very slight, very small hire that they made as for an offensive assistant in, D, in DJ Mangus. He had worked with Brady at LSU. And a lot of times you do not see an interim offensive coordinator or a team making a hire in season to bring in someone that an interim offensive coordinator has known in the past. Usually that's indicative of a relationship going past the interim basis. So my guess is it's Joe Brady. And if it's not, then I'm sure it'll open up to some some up-and-coming quarterbacks coaches out there. But above all else, they want someone who's a good communicator, who has the support of the locker room, who has the support of Josh Allen. And because if they see the success that they've had at the end of the season, specifically after they made that change, I think they'll, they'll want him uh, by and large. So my guess, Andrew is Joe Brady. And I don't know how much uh, of a, of a discussion it might be. I guess we'll, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out, but They've run four in a row and five of their last six since they made the change. So I don't think McDermott's going to want to mess with that. Steven writes in, the Dolphins have had success holding opposing run games to under 100 yards. How much of that is a function of their defensive line as opposed to the quality of their opponents? Will Cook be neutralized? I think it's a function of maybe just how, how they, how they funnel the pass. Um, and their defensive line is good. Don't get me wrong. Like Siler and Christian Wilkins are very good. And then once they go into their their heavier defensive formation, Raquan Davis comes in and, and he's also a good run defender. So that's part of it. But they will not have their two star defensive ends or outside linebackers. They, they call them outside linebackers in Miami. There's two star edge guys. So they'll have to depend on Ingram and Van Ginkle to defend the edge a lot more. And that's a specific spot that the Bills love to attack. They love to attack a lot of uh, like either in between the tackler guard or getting outside the tackle. A lot of times you see Deion Dawkins pulling from left to right. Uh, all the way to the other side of the line in a T lead. Same thing with Spencer Brown. They started doing that a bit more over the last two, three weeks with Spencer Brown going from the right side to the left side just to take advantage of the athleticism that they have at offensive tackle. And it didn't go as well last week against the Patriots um, as it had in previous weeks. I think that is a function of the Patriots having a good defense. But also because that's kind of the book on... The Bills running game, they do a lot of T lead. They do a lot of pin and pull. They're not going to try to beat people up in between the tackles. That's not usually their game. 
So it'll be pretty important for the Dolphins and those two edge defenders, Ingram and Van Ginkle, to uphold the edge. Because if they don't, then that becomes even more of a multi-pronged offensive attack for the Bills. But I do think there is potential there for them to have a bit more success based on the injuries that the Dolphins have incurred to have more success on the ground than what we have grown accustomed to from this Dolphins defense. I mean, think about the Cowboys game. The Cowboys were usually a pretty good run defending unit. They they were without their, their top nose tackle and Jonathan Hankins. The Bills went after him and had success. Play after play after play. Personnel sometimes is everything. You can't just expect because a guy has practiced in the defense the entire year for them to just walk in and and have the same impact. There, there are starters for a reason. It's very rudimentary, but there are starters in the NFL for, for a reason. So I just, I think there's at least a chance that the Bills have a better than you'd think running game uh, against the Dolphins this week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Sarah writes in, this is a good question. Do you expect a letdown if the Bills clinch a playoff spot before kickoff? Personally, I do not. I think they are doing everything in their power to maintain their edge and knowing the fact that a home playoff game and kind of like putting an exclamation point on this five-week journey that they've been on is incredibly important to them. You know, something as basic as staying home, sleeping in your own bed a week before the playoff game or the, um, the week leading up, not having to worry about travel, everything like that. That plays into it. Having the edge and knowing that you've only lost once in your home stadium this year. The only game they lost at Highmark Stadium was to the Broncos, and it was a tight one. So they have to feel like this game is all that stands in between them and potentially a Super Bowl appearance, I like I said, potentially, 
Because with that number two seed, you get one home playoff game. And if you win that one, you're guaranteed a second home playoff game. And then all you need is Baltimore to lose a, a funky game in the divisional round. And then all of a sudden you're hosting the AFC championship game. Plus the fact, even if, uh, you know, if they were to win that, that wildcard game in Buffalo, they also know who's the number three seed. And I don't think this is like on the top of their minds or anything like that, but they have seen their season end in Kansas City far too often for their liking in the playoffs. Didn't happen that way last year. And actually, as we all know, it ended at Highmark Stadium last year. But that said, this year is much different. The Bills were on a different trajectory at the end of the season last year. A lot of other things happened outside of their control last year. This year seems a bit different. And potentially having those two home playoff games to open up the playoffs. Yeah, that's going to be all the motivation they need, I think. Joshua writes, if the worst case scenario happens and the Bills miss the playoffs, would anyone's job be in danger? I don't think so, Joshua. I think we are well past that point. I think the only changes on staff that I personally would expect would be for guys that are out of contract. And maybe they look to improve some spots, but I would expect Sean McDermott to back to be back with certainty. I would expect Brandon Bean to be back with certainty. Uh, Joe Brady, even if they don't make the playoffs, I still think the way that the the locker room has has really taken to him in this new role, I think that will be good enough to get him the offensive coordinator job um, permanently moving forward. And the only change that I could see potentially is McDermott naming a defensive coordinator of as someone on his staff. Like the name that has always popped out to me really since, you know, for the last three, four years where I feel like that this one person seems like he's been on a trajectory to eventually be that defensive coordinator, whatever Leslie Frazier got a head coaching job elsewhere or moved on like he did this past off season. It's Bobby Babbage who has coached defensive backs. He's coached safeties. He's coached linebackers. There's been a lot of success. You know, doing the job that he did this year to get what he has out of a linebacker room without Tremaine Edmonds the entire time, without Matt Milano for most of the time, that's going to be a strong look. Young guy. He's been with McDermott a long time. Knows the defense. He's led... Um, post-practice defensive meetings on the field, like I said, after practices. I think that would be the biggest change. McDermott shifting back into total head coach role and, you know, giving the reins of the defense to a guy like Babbage. That would be my guess. There are some other candidates like Eric Washington or or John Butler but 
my guess has always been that Babbage would eventually become the defensive coordinator for Bills, and maybe it happens this offseason. Okay. Isaiah writes in, do you think Trey White gets cut or significantly reworks his contract this spring? This is such a question that I enjoy talking about because it uh, it has so many layers to it because now the Bills have set themselves up in a spot where no matter what, they have their starting cornerback duo next year and their names are Rasul Douglas and Christian Benford. Trey White has a long recovery ahead of him. And it does call into question whether or not it is prudent for the Bills to move forward with with the relationship. Odds are, if they keep him, Trey White would start the year on PUP, probably go into the year based on what we saw from him and his recovery from his torn ACL. I think it might take a while for Trey White. And they could save a good chunk of salary cap space if if they were to move on from him. But the one thing I I uh, do not have the entire specifics of is how his injury relates to the salary cap. And that's something that I will personally look into as uh, we get closer to the offseason because it's obviously a huge, huge piece of the puzzle here. It's not just... It may not just be as easy as, hey, cut them and save that cap space. So um, I will definitely be looking into it as we move forward. But they do have their starters. Benford has done enough to be on the job next year. Douglas is signed for next year. You can't take him out of the lineup. So we shall see on that one. All right, we've got time for one more, and then we'll get to the prediction. Okay. Tom writes in, how did Daquan Jones look to you and can he help shut down the Dolphins running game? I thought Daquan Jones in his first game back. I don't think, I don't think it's a, it looks like he never left scenario, but his game reminded me of what he looked like last year. And that is a good thing because by far, their best run defending one technique. The way he was setting up his teammates. Um, if you get a chance, go check out my all 22 article that that uh, just posted from the Patriots game. And th- I have a section in there called the Daquan Jones difference. It was legitimately different. The Bills have been trying to get by at one technique since week five of the season after uh, the four snaps that Daquan Jones took in that game. Jordan Phillips. Tried to fill in. He's a three technique. He's not a one technique. There's that's just not his game. You can he can get pushed around by a double team. It's just not him. Tim Settle, Puna Ford, both not at their best at one technique. Linval Joseph, who they brought in, kind of steadied it a little bit. He's not a starter. He's a rotational guy. He's 35 years old. He's his best years are behind him. But when they get Daquan Jones back in the lineup. Legit difference, and it made his teammates better. Terrell Bernard had one of his best games in a while. Specifically defending the run because of how 
<coughs> excuse me, how good he was at setting him up, occupying blocks, getting into the backfield himself. The one piece I think that was missing from the first four weeks was the pass rushing component. But I think that will come in due time. So, so yeah, I think he has a good opportunity to take advantage of some of the, the liabilities that the Dolphins have on their interior offensive line. All right, let's get to the, <clears throat> excuse me again, Shaq Lawson meditation prediction hour. The Bills are two and a half point favorites. Total on the game is 48. I will take the Bills to win. I will take the Bills to cover. I like the matchup. I think their offense can get back on track. And I think the uh, the Bills and their advantages in the middle of their defense, the defensive line, should be able to get to Tua Tungavailoa in enough time to mark to push him off his spot, force some interceptions, force some incompletions, force some mistakes, really. Um, so I like the Bills to win. I like the Bills to cover. Might be a little bit tight early on, but I think they're the better team. They are healthier. It all kind of leaves me there. And I'll take the over in this one just because I don't think the Dolphins will fade into the night without uh, without um, putting up some points themselves. So I'll take the Bills to win, Bills to cover, and the over. All right, that's going to do it for me on this uh, live room episode of the Buffalo Beat. Thank you to everyone for sending in your questions. It's always appreciated. Uh, the next time you will hear from me will be after the game. It'll probably be just before my flight takes off. Um, but this is one of those where we got to get the episode out as quickly as possible. All right. So thanks, everyone, for listening. My name is Joe Pascalia, and we will talk to you after the game. See you then.